It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. I think at that point in the game, we were just, uh, you know, we were taking on a little water. We took some, we, we had some kills in the third period, and, and you know, at that point in time, is you know, you're trying to maintain at least the point and, and trying to win it in overtime. And you know, if you get a break, great. But uh, um, you know, guys like that, elite players, they find ways to make huge differences in the game, and that's exactly what Burnsy did. It was, uh, uh, we needed that. I think, um, you know, we thought, I thought we played pretty well all game. Uh, and again, it's. They're close games. We're not blowing anybody out. We're not putting four and five in the net uh, uh, on, on most nights. So uh, it was a big goal. These guys have blocked so many shots. And there's another one that they blocked. Luckily, it kind of stayed there. And I don't know what happened after that. I kind of blacked out, I think. But <laughs> Wow, what a game and what a goal from Brent Burns as the San Jose Sharks go on to a 5-3 win over the Wild. They get the series split. They're sitting at 3-3 three and three on the year. And we saw them bounce back after game one of the series when they were ostensibly playing well enough to win that game and just didn't find a way to do it. This was a game where the Sharks fell behind early, then saw a 3-1 lead disappear. They had to come up with some big penalty kill minutes late in the third period and were able to come up with a big goal from Brent Burns and then the empty netter from the one and only Long Beach native Matt Nieto. And if you're like me, you're waking up in a good mood because you look at the scoreboard from last night. The Kings beat the Blues 6-3, so that keeps the Blues at 3-2-1 and one on the year. And the Ducks beat the Avs 3-1, so the Avs are 3-3 three and three on the year. Same record as the Sharks. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, gee, Ted, it's a little early to be watching the standings, but... I don't think that it is. We are past the 10% mark of this season, and we're going to be watching these standings every single day. As it stands right now, Vegas, after their 1-0 win over the Coyotes yesterday, 5-1-0, 10 points. They're in first. Minnesota is in second. Four wins, two losses, eight points. St. Louis in third. Three wins, two losses, one overtime loss. They have seven points. And then it is the Avs, the Kings, the Ducks and the Sharks with six points and Arizona with five points. But I look at the fact that the Blues are having a little trouble out of the gate, same story for the Avs, and think that this kind of makes everything that much more competitive and that much more contentious. It's not just a battle for that fourth spot. You're looking at all these teams going against each other, and we saw the Sharks in a big-time series against the Blues split that series. Now they've got big-time series coming up on the horizon. They've got the Avs for two coming up next, and we are going to talk to Connor McGahey, the radio play-by-play voice of the Avs, uh, on the other side. And then it's going to be two with Las Vegas, the first two 
home games of the year. But of course, word came down over the weekend that these first two home games will be played in Arizona as the ban on contact sports continues in Santa Clara County. But these next two series are big, just as these previous three series have been. And the way I've been looking at it and the way I'm going to continue to look at it is split these road series and you'll be doing your job. And one of the things the San Jose Sharks needed was for their best players to do their job. We heard that the other night from Bob Bugner. He said, we need our best players to play like it. Well, in this win, we saw Brent Burns come through with big plays. We saw Martin Jones come through with big plays. We saw Evander Kane come through with big plays. Ryan Donato, big plays. Timo Meyer, big plays. Timo Meyer, he got bumped down to that third line. That was a question that was asked to Bob Bugner after the game. Was he sending a message or was it tactical? Love the way he responded. And, and, and the message was, I guess it was twofold. Yeah, I wanted you know, him to get his five-on-five five game going a little bit and you know, bring some physicality to the table. That's where I think he's at his best. You saw that tonight. I thought that he was uh, um, he was a beast out there. I thought that he, you know, every time he, his line was out there, he, uh, you know, he's taking pucks to the net and dragging people on his back. He was finishing on the forecheck, all those kind of things. So, uh, you know, that line played well together. So, um, you know, and, and, and on the road, you're always looking for a different look. We talked about us adjusting uh, and, and making some adjustments from game to game when you're playing these back-to-back games. Inserting him down there and putting Noah Gregor on that line, I thought uh, um, made us a faster, um, faster in our bottom six. And, um, you know, I think her, it's a hard matchup for the other team. So, um, you know, it, it worked tonight. Yeah, it did work. And I think that one of the other things that Bugner was going for, and he talked about this previously uh, when he referenced a lack of emotion on the power play in particular, but I do think that it stirred up some emotion in Timo Meyer, And I do think that the team did play with more emotion. And I do think that especially when you saw things get tangled up with hurdle and Greenway, you did get a little bit more of a rise out of the team. You did get a little bit more of a reaction. And I think that moments like those can help bring a team together and you can see a response and you can see a fire and you can kind of get a little bit of a, uh, get a little bit of the red ass. And I think we saw the Sharks playing with that a little bit more tonight. I know that I thought Timo played more like that. And I definitely know that Burns played more like that after the dust up with Greenway, but I just like the idea of this Sharks team fighting for each other while fighting for time on the ice and fighting for overall positions on the team. You've got Dubnik versus Jones. You've got Timo Meyer having messages sent his way. You've got your best players being essentially called out by the head coach and saying that they're not playing up to snuff. And I think the trick here is, is that none of it's being done in a derogatory. None of it's being done in terms of a, anyone has greater status than anyone else. Bob Bugner just knows what buttons to push right now to get his guys to perform at the highest level under unusual and unprecedented circumstances. And the Sharks responded big time in a game that they needed to respond in. They needed to get this win. They needed to continue splitting these series, starting out the season on the road. And again, ahead of two big series coming up against the Avs and Las Vegas. But this was this was a game the Sharks needed to have, and it could have gone awry in a couple situations. They fall behind early. The Sharks looked flat out of the gate. They did not look like they were really... Um, 
comfortable on the ice. They were sloppy handling the puck. They weren't making crisp passes. They didn't really look like they were finding each other very well. The chemistry, the gel, whatever you want to talk or call it, it wasn't there initially, and it took some fight for them to get back into it. But you get a late first period goal from Ryan Donato, who, by the way, was playing pissed off hockey, and I am loving everything I see from this kid, not just in his efforts against his former team, but all year long, I feel like he's been working his butt off and I feel that as he finds himself more and more getting comfortable with his teammates and with the Shark system, he's going to flourish here. Again, the effort that you see from him, you love immediately. And then the fact that he wanted to stick it to the team that traded him away. Again, that's that red ass we talk about. I like that idea of the pissed off Sharks with something to prove and a chip on their shoulder. But then we had Timo Meyer drawing a penalty and then setting up uh, Evander Kane for the goal off a nice pass from Ryan Donato to Timo Meyer, by the way. Then Noah Greger, more of that third line production. He puts the Sharks up 3-1. But then in the last five minutes of that second period, you do get a goal for Minnesota to make it a 3-2 game. Then they have a strong push in the third period. They come back and they tie it 3-3. And then with less than uh, two minutes remaining, that's when Brent Burns scored one of the prettiest goals that we've ever seen him score over the course of his time with the Sharks. I mean, you know him for his big slap shot. You don't immediately think of him getting cute and having a great stick-handling moment in front of the net. And there's some great pictures that are out there. He is surrounded by six members of the Wild, and it's him alone. It's it's a great picture because he had no business scoring that goal. Let's be honest. That was one that you're only going to get every so often, but it's great. He's completely surrounded, completely surrounded, and he makes it happen. Just a great Brent Burns play, and it gave the Sharks the win. It's the 40th game-winning goal of his career, by the way, and it was a great moment. It was a moment that the Sharks needed. They needed a regulation win. They needed to be able to hold on in a game that was kind of all over the place because we'd seen these leads evaporate and we'd seen them go into overtime. This was something the Sharks needed. This was something the Sharks, I feel, kind of had to have. It didn't want it to go to overtime. I didn't want them to have to go to a shootout again. So to get a win like this, I thought it was big for the team. Well, I mean, between the second and third, the message was, you know, let's not sit back here. We got a one goal lead and we want to get after these guys. Where we're having success was putting pucks behind them, playing in their end and generating speed through the neutral zone. I thought at the end of the second, we sort of clammed up a bit. And when they got that second goal and they had a big push and that was a message and, you know, got into some penalty trouble in the third. But what I really liked is is the way we responded. And, and uh, you know, we, we got after him for, uh, you know, the middle part of that period. And we had some real strong shifts. I think it was around the 10-minute mark. I, I think it was a Cooch, Cooch's line started it. And then the next couple lines that came over, board, over the boards, actually, uh, you know, we had some great zone time. So um, I just, you know, proud of the guys. It's it's never easy winning on the road. You know, it's it's we've been on the road together for a long time. It's really important we collect some points at the beginning of the season. And, uh um, we found a way to win, and uh, that's that's huge because last year, uh, a lot of times that we uh, found a way to lose. Um, so it's important for this team for their confidence. And that was something that I've touched on. The last year, the Sharks team was always just good enough to lose. They were in close games until they'd find themselves collapsing or they'd give up a goal at the wrong time or whatever it was. 
they were in games until they weren't, or they were just good enough to lose at the end of a game. And I think to put together a win like you saw last night, it is going to do good things for the Sharks team going forward. And I know that we all think that they're professionals and that one win is just one win. They've been here before, but I always look at it from the sense of each year, each team is an individual entity. Yes, there's carryover from one era to the next or one year to the next, but just because they were on a version of this team that was previously able to get these wins, that doesn't mean that it is without meaning when they do it this time. Because again, I believe this is a new team. It is a new era. It is a new year. Even if a lot of these guys have done it before, it still means a lot to do it now. Um, I think a lot. I mean, I think we've done uh, sometimes when uh, things aren't going well, things can get pretty negative. So, I mean, to finally have a, a positive uh, outlook on the team and, and know how we can play. If we play a certain way, we are we can win and, and, and have fun. It's definitely a, a fun outlook and hopefully we can keep it going. That was Ryan Donato after the win and a two-point night for him with a goal and an assist. And he also said that there may have been something to Brent Burns' goal that could help the team kind of keep this rolling into the next series. It's tough because you just want a goal at the end of the day, but when it happens like that, you just uh, you can't help but laugh just because it's just so outrageous. I mean, for us, I think we were just wanted any chance to, to finish the game and to have the, a guy do it in style like that, it just uh, it picks us up and hopefully it creates some momentum. And the hero of the game, Brent Burns, weighed in on that as well. Yeah, it's just a big win. I think, you know, I talked about before, that's uh, – you know, I felt like that was probably our best game by far that we played so far and most complete, competed hard. That would have been a tough one to, to lose. I think you really want to you, – you lose that first game, you have to win the second game. And um, we were up, so that was uh, that was nice to get that and, and feel good about it. I think the game was coming, and uh, we were competing hard, and that's that's one you, you would hate to see to not come through with two points. And Burns also said that the team is not getting too ahead of themselves and looking at these upcoming series. They're just staying focused on the task at hand. I think when you play these little little baseball schedule type two game uh, series, no, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about the games coming up. I think we'll have time to think about that tomorrow and, and the next day. And it doesn't really matter. I think at this point we're trying to get our game going and work on the things that we're trying to improve on and play a complete game. And I, I usually say the same thing. It doesn't really matter who you're playing against, you just got to get points and string them together. You don't want to lose two in a row. So you just got to win. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think this team is in the process of trying to find itself and trying to figure themselves out. We are seeing growth with each passing game, and that's exactly what you want to be seeing. It's not going to be a finished product as of this point, and you are seeing a response from guys who are being challenged. I'll hammer this again, but we heard Bob Bugner say that he needed his best players to play like his best players. So the Sharks used a day of practice and responded to what they heard from their head coach and came forth with a great effort on the road against a team that's had a nice start to this year. The Sharks split the series, are in a good place after the first six games of the year at 3-3, three and three, all of which have been on the road and may have earned themselves some momentum heading into their two biggest series of the year so far. And yes, they're all big series this year, but the Abs and the Knights are on everyone's shortlist of teams that they would not be surprised by ending up in the Stanley Cup Finals. So this is once again an opportunity for the Sharks to test themselves against two of the best teams in the NHL, again, on paper. 
so far, Vegas is playing like one of the potential favorites to be in the Stanley Cup final. The Avs are not. And now, a moment of chill from Coors Light. Light Mountain Cold Refreshment made to chill after the short but cold beer run from hot tub to cabin. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Next up for the San Jose Sharks, it is the Colorado Avalanche. On Sunday afternoon, before their game against the Ducks, I sat down with their radio play-by-play announcer, Connor McGahee, and I asked him about where the Avs are now in terms of overall figuring themselves out as a team. And once they find those combinations, I think the Avs will cruise a lot more than they have uh, in the early going. The defensemen are not a question. Devon Taves has been a great acquisition for the Colorado Avalanche uh, through five games, two goals, two assists, four points. Both of his goals have come on the power play. Kale McCarr, of course, Calder Trophy winner last year, has advertised five assists, four points on the power play, uh, again through five games. Sam Gerrard, four points on the power play. Him and McCarr have the exact same numbers. And then you infuse that with Connor Timmons, who's an early second-round pick. Bowen Byram made his debut versus the Los Angeles Kings uh, at the end of last week. Uh, And he had a great first game versus the Anaheim Ducks. Got his first NHL point and assist. He was a plus two, tied with the team lead in shots with four. Uh, played almost 15 minutes. So the defensive core, um, along with the acquisition of Greg Pattern from the Minnesota Wild, gave the Avalanche some some cap flexibility. The the blue line is probably the most exciting defensive core in the National Hockey League. That's going to go without saying because uh, you're talking about the average age of 22, maybe, between, between all of them. And the Avalanche are the youngest team as far as everyone who's played so far in this West Division. So Colorado is looking... Looking pretty pretty decent. I don't think they've actually played a great game yet, which could be a scary proposition for a lot of people. But they're trying to, to iron out those wrinkles, which I'm sure they will. And once they start to click, uh, then they'll start to meet everyone's expectations for them in the West and going forward. Now, when you talk about the abs right now, you immediately think about that top line of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. And I asked Connor, I said, is what you're seeing from that line right now pure talent or Is it because they've already found themselves and they do have that chemistry and that overall cohesion that you're looking for or what you would normally expect to find by the time that we were in January? That's a great question. And I think with that top line, um, I mean, we think back to the fall of 2017. I believe it was October 2017. And Colorado got absolutely blown out at Vegas. He was 7-0 or 7-1, forgive me, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was the day after that that Landis Gog, McKinnon, and Rantanen got put together, and for whatever reason, it's like the cone headline in Miracle for the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. Pass, shoot, score. And that's, that's been the case with the three of them, and I think it's the perfect combination of skill because you have a true power forward in Miko Rantanen. You have probably the most skilled center, all around in the National Hockey League, Nathan McKinnon. And then you have Landis Gog, who's who's very diverse in what he can do and can fill whatever role needs to be filled on a nightly basis, depending on who they're going up against. So that versatility, that hockey IQ, which is through the roof on all three players, plus the skill that they already garner, 
I think makes them a great combination. But like I said, it, the trick is finding that combination with the next three lines because you, everyone works. It, it's not a work ethic question. Uh, everyone has talent. It's not a it's not a, a a talent question. I mean, you've got you know first round pick in Nazem Kadri, uh, Andre Burakovsky, Valeri Nichushkin, Tyson Jost, uh, and then you have workhorses like Giannis Donskoy, who only has four shots through five games, but he's got two goals. Uh, everyone, of course, in the in San Jose, familiar with Giannis Donskoy. So the, the top line is th- they just gel for all of those reasons, and they're looking for that similar pattern in the rest of the forward group. Now, the goalie, Phil Grubauer, has had some impressive performances as of late. What's your read on him? I think, and Jared Bednar has said this the past couple games, especially coming off that performance, yeah, Hampus Lindholm's shot went off the the tip of his glove and in maybe should have made that glove save. But beyond that, uh, he probably made his two best sequential saves of the season Um Back on Friday night, he has looked more dialed in, and he has looked more focused, and is able to find the puck more. And those are skills that he has had ever since he came over from the Washington Capitals. Of course, that was a trade from Washington, June twenty second of two thousand and eighteen. I can remember that one. Uh, but uh, but for Grubauer, he he's he's sharpened himself ever since the 18-19 playoffs because it was not Varlamov; it was Grubauer uh, who got him through. He was hurt going into that second round versus Dallas last year. So if he stays healthy, and that's always the question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with netminders. I mean, look at Semyon Varlama of all those years here in Colorado. Now he's found a way to stay healthy, and he's, he's the best goaltender in the National Hockey League with the New York Islanders. Uh, I think Grubauer has the skills and the mental space. I mean, he's about he's he's not one of those crazy goalie types. He's about as laid back uh, and as peaceful as a as a human as you could ask for and i think that really translate to his, translates beg your pardon to his game so uh he's been magnificent uh, in his four starts three and one goals against average right at two and a 931 save percentage which is top five in the nhl so grubauer uh when his team has not played great in front of him he has played great now we all know this is a weird season for the nhl abbreviated training camps strange scheduling One of the more odd things I've seen so far, though, Connor, is the fact that the Avs lost their first game of the year to the Blues 4-1, and then the next game bounced back with an 8-0 victory. That was was not what I was expecting. Yeah, I I mean, going 5-for-7 on the power play probably helps uh, a little bit. They've now had had 10 power play goals on the season. They have at least one power play goal in every single game so far. So uh, 5-on-5 has been... Uh, the uh, the eyebrow razor for Colorado. They need more five-on-five production. Uh, they're starting to get there, but the power play has been tremendous and was a huge part in that uh, second home game versus the St. Louis Blues. And uh, it was a writer in St. Louis, I think, who probably put it best. He said, through these two games, we saw the best of both teams and the worst of both teams probably on opposite nights. So St. Louis was not proud of their performance as the Avs were not in game number one. I mean, it it was Colorado was one of those teams who was outstanding on opening night, and this was the exception to the rule. So they knew that they could compete and they could work better and they could play better than they did on opening night. And when you have a roster like the Avalanche do, a game like that, 8-0 is a possibility. I mean, they, they put nine on the Nashville Predators 
on home ice last season as well. So that offensive explosion is is always waiting in the wings. It's just a question of when it can and will show up because of those, those are two great teams that the Avalanche scored 17 goals on in two teams, the Predators and the St. Louis Blues. Now we know that in recent memory, injuries have been an issue for the Avs. How are the guys absorbing the hits and uh, the bumps and bruises in the early going? It, much better than what the Avalanche have been used to over the past couple seasons. Eight-man games lost to injury so far uh, in the early going, and most of that has been uh, from goalie Pavel Francouz. So Burakovsky hasn't played on the road trip yet, but uh, he's he's close to being back. So the Avalanche overall health picture uh, are infinitely better than they've used to being in recent memory. Now, one of the things that has been a pleasant surprise for Sharks fans is the fact that Jonathan Leonard arrived looking like an immediate NHL player. Have there been any surprises for the Avs so far this year? Anything unexpected? I don't know about surprising, but I think pleasantly, I love the trio of Calvert, Jost, and Belmar. I mean, Tyson Jost has the pressure of being a top 10 pick in the National Hockey League back in 2016, went 10th overall to the Avalanche. But but Calvert and Belmar, are they are the workhorses. And Calvert is always generating scoring chances. He doesn't have a ton of finesse like, like everybody else does, but... He's a player favorite. He's a fan favorite because you never get less than 137% out of Matt Calvert, and that is a scientific fact. Um, he's been just a great acquisition ever since coming over from the Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, I, I've really liked that trio as a fourth line. I think things may switch up in the next couple of nights just to try and find that chemistry. Uh, but the three of them have been a very pleasant uh pleasant surprise. They always do things under the radar, but I think it's been more noticeable uh, to start this season. Connor, my friend, thank you for your time as always, and I am looking forward to this series between the Sharks and the Abs. As do I, Ted. My pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Now, of course, the same day that I interviewed Connor, the Abs went on to lose, so he might not want to have me do interviews on game day anymore if he's the superstitious type or not. But this series against the Avs is once again going to be a big-time test for the Sharks. Again, you're going to be dealing with Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Saad, Kadri, Calvert, Taves, Graves. I mean, you just go down the list. There's talent all over the place on this Avs roster. And even though they are not playing their best hockey right now at just 3-3 three and three to start the season, you know what they're going to want to do on their home ice? They're going to want to get right, and that's going to be on the Sharks' shoulders. They are going to be trying to prevent the Avs from getting right. They are going to be trying to make their own season get in the right direction and get over 500 for the first time since game number one of the year. So it's going to be a good battle, and that's what I really want right now. If the Sharks come out of these next two series splitting with the Avs and Vegas, I am okay with that, and I'm not saying that you should be okay with that, but the way this season had started, the fact that the Sharks are not able to play at home until their next home games, which will be on February 13th, and we don't even know if that is for sure. We just are hopeful that'll be the case, but you start off with this many games on the road and not able to play your home games in your own true home building. If you keep your head above water, and that's the thing that I've been hammering over and over and over for this start to the season. All I want the Sharks to do is keep their head above water. Now, if they can do that while becoming a better hockey team at the same time, that is what I will be ultimately pleased with. And I actually think that that is what we're seeing right now. We're watching the Sharks get better. 
The defensive miscues, they're going away. The Sharks were able to find themselves a little bit more on offense in this most recent game. And again, I know the reaction might be, well, Ted, the, the, the Wild aren't the Blues. They're not the Avs. They're not the Knights. I understand, but you can only play who's on the schedule in front of you. And the Sharks, in my opinion, played well enough to win both games, did not win game one, made the necessary adjustments, looked that much better throughout most of game number two, and were able to get a win. They were not flawless and or perfect by any means, but the Sharks, to me, strike me as an improving team. The way that we saw second periods be a massive issue for the first few games of the year, that has been rectified. The way the defense looked a little bit lost at times, that is getting rectified. And again, I keep on coming back to the fact that the goalies, both Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik, have looked pretty darn good. I am happy with what I am seeing from the San Jose Sharks. I didn't say I was ecstatic. I didn't say I was over the moon. I just said I was happy because I feel like I'm seeing steps that are being taken in the right direction. And it's one of the things that I came into this year. I said, hey, let's keep our expectations low. Let's shoot for that fourth and final playoff spot in the Honda West division and see if they can step and try and get that third. And then go from there. You take this one step at a time. They're splitting series and they're getting better. That is exactly what I wanted to see. And I know that you might not want to have me harp on it, but my immediate comparison goes back to what we saw last year from the San Jose Sharks, and they were not showing signs of improvement, and they were not showing steady progress. They were up and down and all over the place and mostly down and mostly trying to figure out how everything went so wrong so fast. So that's another point of comparison that I'm using as to why I feel better about what I'm seeing from the Sharks this year. But we are 10% plus done with the season now we're going to learn a lot more over these next four games and my bar for these next four games is two wins split both of these series keep your head above water wait for things to return to some semblance of normalcy when you might be able to return to your home arena hopefully on the 13th of february and start being able to rack up some consecutive wins on home ice and i also think that given the way that this is playing out in the early going it's probably going to be more and more and more of this. You might see Vegas pull away, or you might see the Abs pull away, or you might see the Blues pull away. I don't know how this is going to play out, but it could just be that one team pulls away, and then the rest of the division all just has one crazy battle for all these playoff spots, which would be pretty fun and pretty entertaining. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all on Wednesday morning for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.